Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Grey, the podcast about the light, the dark, the hilariously obscene, and everything in between. I'm Dylan, and that's Emily. Hello. 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 Let's go! Here we are, another week, another bunch of stories. <laughs> how are you this evening, Emily? That's how you want to start this out. Sure, why not? <laughs> I'm game. Game for anything. Okay, so I would say, did I rate those? Because last week we said that we were on that taco hunt for the best tacos. Yes, we did. I would say that I rated these ones. Well, hold on, from where? Uh, uh Shoot, it was called Metal. Oh, no, mm. I know it, but I know you can get there. Um, mean, meany metal. Oh my goodness, mean miners. Oh, that's how I was thinking metal. Because they're miners. No, because the icon had a metal hat on. <laughs> Sorry. Mean miners tacos in e- Egan, <laughs> not Edina. They were good. In Egan. They were good. Not up to the caliber of Black Sheep Tacos in Bellingham, which I think I might just get a round ticket to Bellingham just to go there. You're going to fly into Bellingham, so you're going to do a layover somewhere for six hours? No. I'll just fly straight to Bellingham. That's what I'm saying. You have most of those flights. There's layovers. That's why we didn't do that the first time. I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Don't you worry. Well, I was a fan, and I liked the uh, the rice. How was the street corn? It was good. Yeah? It was better than most, actually. Because normally I like it on the cob, not... In a, in a little <laughs> tin thing. That was a food podcast now. <laughs> Last week's the movie podcast. This week's the food podcast. Out of ten, what would you say? Seven. Seven? Okay. I'd give them a solid eight. Eh, seven. I, w- I should have gotten... I, didn't, I don't like the corn tortillas because I think they fall apart and mine were falling apart. That's why I like flour tortillas. It's they harder. had those. No, and not, I know, but you couldn't like... The online thing was funky. It didn't appear to me as though you could substitute them. Well, I'm sorry. Also, sorry, I thought I was on a sneeze. Okay, well, next time... Oh my God. Okay, I'm fine. You got a nose hair tickling you? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Nose hairs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time we'll make sure that you get your flour tortillas. No, I'll figure it out. I liked them though. Me too. I think the I think the food's I would, good. I would get it again. I would order from there again. Yes. Also, this week you started reading. Yeah. Which is shocking to me. I said I was I, gonna. Okay, but I've been dating you. For... A better way to say that is we've been together. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we've been together for five years. Yeah. Almost I've six. Never... Yeah, I've never seen you read for an enjoyment once. It took a pa- it took a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it took me realizing my brain was slowly deteriorating <laughs> to re- to to realize that I just needed to start reading again. So picked up. It's right here. I have it with me. It's in my hand currently. 
He's actually just going to read us a passage from no, his book. No, you're not going to like this book. It's called Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. It's a nerd book for sure. It's 100% a nerd book. It's entirely about entirely about gaming and gaming culture and takes place in the year 2046. And basically the world's gone to shit and there's an energy crisis and a food crisis and all kinds of stuff. And the only, pe- only place people feel they can escape is to this place called the Oasis, which is an online virtual reality area. Anyway, super nerdy. Emily's not going to like it, but someone out there might. You didn't like the movie, so that's why I'm like, you're not going to like the book. I did not. Just a very nerdy book, and I love it. And it was, I thought, the perfect book to get me to reintroduce myself to reading. I'm very glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, I've had it for like two days, and I'm like, I have 90 pages left. I would not read it. No, you wouldn't. But if you're interested, Ready Player One. It's been out for nine years, and I'm finally getting around to it. But yeah. What else, what else, what else, what else, what else? Everybody's getting pandemic puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Penny's going to have smelt, so many friends. I'm sensing a new hashtag. Pandemic puppy. Panda- hashtag pandemic puppy. Penny wasn't a pandemic puppy, though. She was though. not. Everyone now is like, okay, we have so much time. Now we have time for a puppy. I think we got a puppy when literally both of us were so busy. We were like... Okay, I'll take the dog for these two hours, and we'll trade with you, and then your sister will come take the dog, and then we'll pick up the dog, and then we'll go to bed. And then after that, Sarah's going to come take care of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's literally how the weeks had to go. But I was like, I'm getting a dog no matter what. Well, yeah, because if we hadn't gotten her then, we would have been getting a dog right around now, because that's when the next litter of these dogs was coming from that breeder. I needed a dog now. Yeah. Which was now as in December. Yeah. Because we picked her up December 7th. And it's turned out pretty good for her so far. So, because now her parents are home a lot. All the time. A lot. <laughs> Less now that I've started working. But even then, I'm still home a lot. Still significantly more than yeah. when we were actually doing the thing. Well, whatever. Well, whatever. Penny's going to have new friends. Yes, she is. Sarah's dog. Beck and Michael's dog. Joan Autumn's dog. That's not going to happen for a while, but... Everyone should get a puppy. Everyone that can take care of a puppy. Right. If you can't handle taking care of a dog... Don't do it. Don't do it. Pisses me off. Don't do it just because you're like, oh, it'd be cute. But wait, it poops and pees in the house? Oh. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Oh, we had the... My old apartment right across the hall... You could, those were thin walls. Yeah. You could hear it, this poor little, it was like a chihuahua mix. Yeah, she was a chihuahua mix. And her Prada. name was Prada. And she'd just cry. <clears throat> she'd cry all day because they would just leave her out but in herself, by herself in the apartment all day. I think they broke up over that dog. I think so too. Because they would fight about the dog. And then one day she wasn't around anymore. Least. Not that he killed her or anything, but just kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I saw her come back and I've pick up her stuff s- with I've another seen her boy. A few times. She was yeah. with another boy too, and I was like, "Ooh, drama." She moved on quick. Anyway, we just, don't even have to turn on the TV. <laughs> yeah, for real. Just stick your ear to the door. What else? What else? What else? <clears throat> Clear my throat. I'm nothing. Nothing. No. 
All right, should we just hit it then? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. <laughs> Story time with Emily. I'm just going to start singing the music in between. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome, world. All right. Okay, so this week I did the Great Train Robbery. The Great Train Robbery. I thought I'd, I thought you'd like this one. It's like cowboys. Hmm. Like cowboy stuff. No. But like West Old Western. No, it's like in Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, absolutely not. No. Still fun. They've got accents. Oh well, looks like you're doing this one with an accent. The whole time. Could you do it? Yes. Well. I'm not going to do it. Well. But I did two whole shows I know you with did. an accent. I know you did. Yep. Noises off and all's well that ends well. No. Stage beauty. Oh, you didn't have to have it in all's well? I thought I remembered you guys having. No, that was just sta- stage standard. Oh. Well, yeah, stage beauty. Stage poopy. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant work of art. <laughs> Dylan was in a corset. I was in a corset. That was the first show we ever did together, babe. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> All right. My insides moved. The Great Train <clears throat> Robbery. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So in 1963, two men named Bruce Reynolds, who according to YouTube, this YouTube video I watched was a brick and bracker merchant. Brick and bracker. What is that? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I didn't know look it up. Is. <laughs> that's funny though. Brickenbacker. I feel like that's. Go ahead. Um, and the other man's name was Gordon Goody, who was a hairdresser in London. Uh, these two men decided to form a plan to rob a mail train going from Glasgow to London. Hmm. And they kind of have. They're both like career criminals. But they both have, like, oh, I make my money being a hairdresser. Right, like, they have a front. Yeah. Or I make my money being a brick and bracker merchant. I was looking it up, and I can't. I, I, I don't feel know how like to spell it, it means, like, shady. Brick and bracker. Like, not an honest. <laughs> right. N- not an honest living. Okay, so at the time, big named banks were sending loads of money through the post office. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which was well, just, I guess this case is why we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Which was just stupid. Yeah, not great. Even at this time, private citizens are not supposed. You're, you don't send. You don't send money, money like money that. A, like in, you don't do it through the mail. You can send a check and a birthday card, but like no one's gonna know. You don't go anyway. Yeah, you don't send money through the mail. Like private citizens weren't supposed to do that. I don't know why these banks thought it was a good idea. But they would literally put full mailbags, like you've seen mailbags, yeah, yeah. full of money onto these trains with no guards or security of any kind. The only security that they had was that nobody knew how much money was actually being sent on the trains. So they were just like taking a chance that if it does get robbed, maybe they won't get it all? No, not that. It just wasn't a well-known thing. Right. That banks were doing this. Right. And, like, if they were doing it, I mean, were they going to end up with millions or were they going to end up with $500? Right. They No one knew. Right. 
but Reynolds and Goody had found out about the money and that banks were doing this pretty consistently about once a month. Okay. So they put together a plan and they got a group of 17 men, including them, that they either met in jail or doing other brick and bracker jobs. <laughs> I think that means shady. I don't know. That's the, for the purposes of this. <laughs> but these men were all very similar to the two masterminds, Bruce and Gordon. They all lived very normal lives. Like they were married with kids. They had normal jobs. One was even a florist. <laughs> but they just decided that they like to rob things. Well, yeah, I mean, they like money, and they like, it's a thrill thing, I'm sure. Yeah, and so they put together a plan to rob this post office train, and this was the first time in 125 years that someone had robbed a post office transit vehicle. Well, yeah, because wouldn't Because what's the point? Right. <laughs> well... You just end up with a bunch of letters going to right. Other I guess I, I guess I'd be curious to see if it was, or like to know if there were actual packages aboard these transports as well. If it was literally just letters, you know. What do you mean? Well, like you sent people would send people things. I'm sure there's packages. Yeah, it's so a like big train. So there's there's always the risk of that too. <clears throat> yeah. But again, they don't know what's. They have no way of knowing what's on the train. Exactly. Okay, so Thursday. The 8th of August. That was a dumb way to say that. August 8th. <laughs> it was a very old way of saying the date. 1963. At 3 a.m. at a railroad traffic light, they hotwire the red light to stay on, and then they cover up the green light with the glove. So oh. that signals the train to stop. And normally the train wouldn't stop there, especially at 3 a.m. Right. There would be no reason for it Not, to stop. No. And they're just trying to probably get to their location probably in the morning. Yep. Uh, they also cut phone wires at the stop so no one could call for help. Smart. So the captain of the train is named Jack Mills. And he brings the train to a stop because... The red light is red. ...sees the traffic signal. And Gordon's the first one on the train, and then a bunch of them come on the train. And Jack Mills tries to fight off the robbers, but pretty soon he's surrounded by, like, eight. Yeah. And they knock him unconscious, and he and that's that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's the end of Jack right there. That's, that's where his point in the story's done. No. Um, so he had multiple cuts, and he needed 14 stitches, and he spent two days in the hospital. Jeez. He also was kind of a, a, an older man. Oh, yeah. So, so, like, way more recovery time. Yeah. He wasn't going to bounce back and get back to conducting trains. No. And the robbers to this day said that they never meant for this to be a violent job. I mean, I'm what like, else were they going to do? Like, whatever. Were they just going to tie him up and say, we're going to rob you now? No, they were going to beat the crap out of him the whole time. Anyway. But I also think... If the two, like, masterminds of this, it's hard to control 17 robbers who maybe start to panic when they see someone there. I think they knew it was going to happen, you know? Yeah. After that, they broke into the high-value train car, which is where all the money was, and they attacked the crew in that car as well. Yeah, I mean, there was no way it wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to... They were like, 
Well, we didn't mean to. But then we'll just keep doing it. Yeah. Now much. that we're here. <laughs> Might as well. Um, so the robbers found the bags and they opened them and it's full of the, the it's bags full of money. And so they start throwing the bags down off the train and into their getaway car and they sort of for, formed like an assembly line and someone would throw a bag from the train to someone on the ground and then the person on the ground would throw it down the hill to someone else and then <laughs> like they had this whole Just plan bouncing bags all Ooh. yeah and it took them 30 minutes to unload all the money from that train car and then they drove off into the night and they were gone so the next day this was all over the newspapers the banks were panicking to figure out exactly how much money was stolen the banks eventually found that the robbers got away with 2.0 million pounds and I calculated what that is in U.S. dollars, and that's three million two hundred and sixty-five dollars. But that's in nineteen sixty-three, right? Which at so, the time, so now that would be now that is twenty-seven million <laughs> six hundred forty-five hundred thousand dollars. Wow, that's so much money. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that is not messing around money right there. Uh, the robbers stayed in an old farmhouse near where they robbed the train in the town of Brill, and they were planning on staying there until the story died down a bit. And it also was, since it was close, they weren't going to be driving for a long time, so it was kind of like they just disappeared. Right. And while they were in this farmhouse, they passed the time by playing Monopoly with real money. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I thought it was kind of a party. Oh, I'm sure. So the local police of Brill were not used to dealing with a case like this at all. Well, yeah, small town, nothing small like, nothing town, ever like farms. Yeah. yeah. So they brought in top police officers and detectives from London. The police decide that they need to focus within 30 miles of the crime. Which is smart because that's exactly what the robbers did. Yeah. The farm is 20 miles away from where the robbery took place. But it was not so smart for the robbers because... So I was watching a YouTube documentary and this guy said this about small towns. He said, people in the countryside are frankly more nosy. <laughs> if you want to hide, if you don't want to be seen, then... Turn the page. Then you stay in the city. The idea that you can go down into the countryside and nobody's going to notice you is a mistake. And that is so true. Mm -hmm. I grew up. Farm town girl. <laughs> Don't yep. say that. Well, <laughs> true. I grew up in a teeny tiny town. Everybody knew everything. About everyone. About everyone. I, my dad, to this day, only... When he needs to get a new car, because his car's old, he always just gets tan trucks. Because he doesn't want people to know that, like, he bought a new car. <laughs> Isn't that wild? That's funny. Because <laughs> people will, like, people they'll will talk ask about, about it. it. They'll ask they'll, him. Yeah, they'll talk about it. Your dad's just like, I just want to be left alone. And my dad doesn't want to deal with that. <laughs> so he only buys tan trucks. I mean, there's some people that still got to notice, right? Yes, it, yes, exactly. That's how bad it is. <laughs> I've literally been the front page of the Winthrop newspaper three times. I know. 
It's because you're a big star. Ugh. Coming out of a small town. So, yeah, you cannot hide. There's no hiding. If you seem different or unusual at all in a small town, my grandma and everybody else's grandma is going to call their son who's friends with the sheriff. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. They just all get on like a calling tree. It's like one big conference call. Yes. But through landlines. Yes. And everyone has a landline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the investigation, I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> okay. So sure enough, four days later, some nosy little lady calls the police reporting suspicious activity at a farmhouse nearby. Da -da. And it was probably just a, like a little granny walking her dog. Going, oh, I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard some noise coming from uh, from this. I don't know. Go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> you okay? thought it was going to be funny, and then I started talking, and it wasn't. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, so two police officers go, and they just walk around the grounds, and they find two Land Rovers. With the same license plate number. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Not suspicious at all. So they were like, those are the getaway cars. Easily. And then they walk into <clears throat> the farmhouse and they see bank slips and like other like receipt things that have to go in the bags with the money to like say how much it is and where it needs to go and stuff. They find all that stuff with like the seals of where... The seals of the banks. That they came from. Where, where they the, came yeah, from. Yeah. And so they were like, they were definitely here. But the robbers had been listening to the radio. So oh. they left just in time. But because the robbers left in a rush, they left behind a lot of evidence, including fingerprints. Mm. And a lot of them had been in and out of jail in the past. So they have their fingerprints. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Butler became the head of the investigation, and even Gordon Goody said that Tom was so smart and so good at his job that he thought like he did. He was able to think like a thief, and he was. He was able to say where they would be, like what they'd be doing, it was, and the police pretty much knew who had done this right away because the police believed that no other gang in London at the time could pull off a robbery of this size. So they just started putting up wanted posters of basically all the robbers that were a part of this. Wow. And then they start finding money in some of the suspected robbers' cars and homes. And in the meantime, Bruce Reynolds and Gordon Goody's family is like going on a shopping spree. I'm sure they are. They're like going wild. <laughs> And so they begin making arrests in August, uh, but by Christmas, they still haven't caught all of them. And so they decided to have the trial, even though they had didn't catch all of them, they decided to have the trial January 20th, 1964. So the judge that was appointed to the case was a very emotionless judge, and he was not going to be, like, easy on them at all. So the robbers spent... A huge amount in legal fees and lawyers. Uh, Gordon said that he spent 35k on his legal fees. Wow! Literally using the money that he stole for the lawyers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so pointless. 
Uh, but there were still three men that got away, but they just, they, the police knew who they were, but they literally just didn't have enough evidence to bring them in. Right. So they, they just got to go. They walked. Which must be so frustrating. Oh yeah. Okay. One thing the prosecuting lawyers had against the robbers that was kind of their, what's, what's the thing I'm thinking of? The last straw. That was kind of their last straw. That's not what I want to say, but that's close enough. Well, yeah, the straw that broke the camel's back. That. Okay. Is that Jack Mills, the captain of... El Conductoro. Yeah, the conductor of the train that they beat during the robbery had died of brain cancer before the trial started. So many argued that the robbers were to blame of his death. Because he was older, he right. had a brain, a traumatic brain injury that literally knocked him out. Yeah. And they, a lot of people were saying, well, it didn't matter if he died that night. Those injuries caused him to get sick. Yeah. Which can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in an older individual. Yeah. But. Oh, poor Jack. I know. He's just trying to drive a twain. Yeah. Like twain. <laughs> just trying to drive a twain. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so after eight weeks of trials, uh, the jury took 52 hours to decide the verdict. They were all guilty. Do you think? And Wait, why 52 hours? Why did it take so long? Well, I think there's a lot of charges, and it's also they're trying, like, 14 people. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, and they got to go through each one individually. And... Actually, they're trying 15 people. Right. So they have to go through each charge for each person. Right. And I'm sure it's not one charge per person. Yeah, it's multiple charges, I'm sure. Uh, the judge saw, said that he saw them all as violent criminals. This is a quote that he said after the trial was done. Let us clear out of the way any romantic notions of their devilry. This is nothing less than a sordid crime of violence inspired by vast greed. Because some people were like, oh, these guys are like, they were kind of like, oh, it's another like Bonnie and Clyde or like Billy the Kid. Like, you know, people were like into that. Right. Like super notorious criminals. But the judge was like, I'm not having this. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was. No. Between all the robbers, they're given 307 years in prison. Some had up to 30 years with no parole because parole didn't exist in Great Britain at the time. Oh, no. (laughs) It did start existing like five years later after they were in jail. So I think they got out before. Well, yeah, I'm sure they, yeah, they received a new sentencing. Yeah, anyone that was booked before probably got new sentencing with parole. Yeah, okay. But this part of the story is probably, I think, is the worst part. Okay, so there was a man named Bill Bold who was arrested along with the robbers. But unlike the robbers, Bill Bold had absolutely nothing to do with the planning or the actual robbing of of the train. He had nothing. At the trial, the men actually involved in the heist didn't come forward because they and say that he was innocent because they were pleading not guilty. Right. So wait, who's Bill Bold then? An innocent man. How did he even get roped into it? Because he was... Someone... The police expect, suspected him. Oh. And maybe he'd done some, like, crimes in the past. Right. But he like, did not... He robbing was... crimes, but he had nothing Nowhere to do with Nowhere involved this. in this one. Um, gotcha. That's too bad. So he was sent to jail. Totally innocent man. 
And also, he didn't have lawyer a good lawyer because he didn't rob the train. So he didn't have any so money. So he didn't have money for the lawyer. <sighs> so, okay, so this is the worst part. So he had a family and kids. He had to go to jail. Yeah. He died in oh, jail. Oh, my. He died in jail, an innocent man. God. <laughs> well, did were there ever, like, any reparations made with his family? Like, did they ever apologize? I don't think so. Good Lord. I mean, this is Great Britain in 1963. I don't think they're... Okay. Anyway, so yeah, go I'll ahead. keep going. So even after they were all in jail with their sentences, the robbers did nothing to get Bill out of jail, which leads me to believe that these men, even though they did have wives and children and lives outside being criminal, which was in the documentary I was watching, they were interviewing like family members and some of the robbers themselves saying, oh, we never meant for anyone to get hurt, blah, 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 blah. No, you guys stole somebody's life from them yeah like they basically murdered this guy yeah you know you all are garbage humans bye <laughs> yeah that's yeah and you know like after you're in jail and you're like okay i'm gonna be here like they know i did it none of them not a single one of them came forward and was like oh by the way bill's innocent was like hey we should work on this because this is really not fair <laughs> That's not good. That's not cool. Okay. So 10 years after the robbery, most of the fam... This is funny, though. So 10 years after the robbery, most of the families didn't even have money to show for it. Because they spent it all? Well, in the documentary, one girl said she was like, we didn't know how to handle a lot of money. Like, we didn't have the education of what to do with money. So they basically just spent it as soon as they got it. Right. Like, they didn't invest it in anything. They didn't, like, use it to build a business to start making more money or, like, invest in another business. Like, right. they just didn't... She, she was like, we really just didn't have the education on, like, how to use it. That would be like if someone handed us a million dollars. Like, we'd need to go to, like, a financial advisor. Well, yeah, but I mean, the first thing I would do is pay off my student loan. Okay, well... Like, that's the first... The first thing I would do. That is the highest thing on my prior list of priorities okay. when it comes to my money. Okay. Well, I think that a financial advisor well, yeah, then we would, would agree there. with you. Yeah. But yeah. No. So nobody really won in this. And my thoughts, like they had, they were able to create such an elaborate plan that I'm thinking they could have used their brains for creating some kind of like business that would have potentially made them all the same amount of money that they stole but they've been able they would have been able to um stay out of jail and yeah. like keep the money yep and not hurt people along the way it's like when like someone creates like a big elaborate plan to cheat but they spent like twice the time working on the plan to cheat and then they would have been like done studying yeah like three hours ago yeah it's like that it's just like such a waste yeah it's that's brain power that definitely could have been could have been better used. But yeah, that is the story oh, is that it? of the wow, great train one. robbery. Wow, poor Bill and Jack. Poor Jack, these stupid robbers. <laughs> They're so freaking clever. No, we never meant to hurt anybody. Bullshit. They knew they were gonna be. There was gonna be collateral. They just knew it. There's no escaping that. Well, that was fun. Yeah, a little different. Yeah, a very little different. I was looking for like a heist, but I couldn't really find something that was like a ton of information on big heists they don't want to broadcast how someone done it well yeah that's the thing but then i also so i thought while i was in the middle of this i was like you know what story i really want to cover hmm. the bling ring i don't know anything about that you don't 
No, because I refuse to watch that movie with you and Brian. Okay, well then I'm going to do a story on the bling ring. I think it'll be fun. It's It'll be a funny. Okay, my turn. Story time with Dylan. It's too loud for Emily. It's very echoey. No. uh It's too loud. No. August 24th, 2020. Published by ABC7. This takes place in Detroit, Michigan. So the Southfield Fire Department in Michigan responded to a call about an unresponsive woman Sunday, August 23rd, so yesterday from when this was recorded. They were they performed CPR and other life-saving methods on the woman for 30 minutes. After reviewing medical readings and based on the condition of the patient, it was determined that there were no signs of life. The medical examiner's office was contacted and given the data, who also determined the woman had expired and she was released to the family who had started making arrangements at a funeral home. Pretty straightforward stuff, right? Yeah. Hours, hours, mere hours after she had been delivered to the funeral home, the staff realized she was still breathing. (laughs) No one knows what happened or what led up to someone making the call for the unresponsive woman, let alone why she was deemed dead but miraculously came back to life. And no one is releasing any more info at this time because I'm sure there's some people that feel a little silly. That's like the Umbrella Academy where that lady's being like, literally brought to she's being brought to um be what's the word cremated and then, oh. she, and then she's like in season two take me yeah. to a hospital yeah to season two <laughs> forgot that's how the one it's not how it opens but yeah so yeah basically same basically yeah same idea yeah what that's scary come on detroit they were getting ready to like probably embalm her that's terrifying and she was breathing so yeah, that literally. Is happened. there any update on like how is that just she, happened like, yesterday? Is when, she alive when today? I read, when I read this, so th- this article came out today. It was breaking today, even though it happened yesterday. So, but and when I last checked it, when I wrote this, it had been updated ten minutes prior. So I had the I had the most up to date information at the time. Well, I think we're gonna need a if I if if I can get a follow up, I will a follow up next yeah. week. If I can, I will. But I don't know if anyone's saying it much. Yeah, they didn't release any information on who she was or anything. Probably because the family's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I don't know what condition she's in. Maybe she's there's some other medical thing wrong with her that they thought she was dead, but she wasn't. I mean, they performed CPR. They checked her vitals. They sent that data to a medical examiner, Maybe a professional. It's like Matt Bomber in White Collar took that powder to stop his heart so we could get away with the crime. <laughs> Maybe she's actually like a international thief. Doubt it. Wouldn't that be a twist? That would be quite the twist. Okay. Article published August 20th, 2020 by Lucy Connolly on Unilad. And this is one of the ones that our very own Emily Sue Banks and Rue sent to me. Universal Studios is still on track with opening their new park in Beijing despite concerns from COVID. They will be holding trials in the spring of 2021 with the official opening date still set for May of 2021. Parks included at this new location are Jurassic World, Isla Nublar, Kung Fu Panda, Land of Awesomeness, <laughs> Transformers Metro Base, Minion Land, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Hollywood, and Waterworld. That's so many. I know. That's way more than the one in Florida. I know. It's a bunch of parks. Jurassic World will have encounters with T-Rex, Indominus Rex, Velociraptors, as well as others. It will also feature a 3D attraction of some sort and a 360-degree roller coaster. So I'm what assu- does that mean? I'm assuming it'll be similar to, you know, the gyrospheres in the movies? Those glass balls that they can roll around in? Yeah. I think it'll be something similar to that. Okay. That's what it means. It'll have the three... You'll have like a 360... 
Well, the only one I want to do is Jurassic World. Sure about that? I want to go to Harry Potter World. I was going to say, you don't even. Harry Potter World is going to have them in Hogsmeade, like a snowy Hogsmeade. Cute. Yeah. And I'll have multiple attractions, restaurants, and other entertainment. Um, The Kung Fu Panda World will be entirely indoors and will be the first theme park for these characters. I don't really care about Kung Fu Panda. I like the first one. The first one's pretty good. Cute. It's funny. I don't really even remember it that well. Skadoosh. Really? You don't remember it? I remember it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's an older movie. I actually can't believe how old that movie is. But yeah, that'll be the first one for Kung Fu Panda. And then they'll have Waterworld, which they already have at Universal. I don't know what Hollywood's going to be. I mean, it'll probably just be about, like, the making of these videos. Of these videos. These movies. Mm, maybe. It'll basically, you know how Walt Disney World has a section where they're like, this is how we animated this. And we'll, they, like, walk you through how they made this movie or whatever. Yeah. I bet it'll be like that. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. You can expect the Beijing Park open in 2021 as of right now. <laughs> well, let's go. Great. Because they'll be hopefully letting people in from America by then. All right, ready for one more? Yeah. August 16th, 2020, Suzanne Rowan Keller. Oh, my goodness. Oh, by Forbes. That's right. It was by Forbes. I didn't write that down, but I remember. So, public toilets, they're in general a nightmare. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> they have a bad rep no matter where you go, including in Japan, where restrooms have a higher standard of hygiene. Oh, well, that's nice. I know. But people still are like, mm. bad not. The nonprofit... Founda- uh, Nippon Foundation launched the Tokyo Toilet Project to renovate 17 public toilets in Shibuya, one of the busiest commercial areas in Tokyo. 16, um, 16 architects were si- lined up to work on these 17 renovations. One renovation in particular is being talked about more than the others. The design has transparent walls in varying colors. As weird <laughs> as it sounds... They seem to have a practical reason for the see-through walls. They want users Wait, to... Wait, so the people from outside, like, walking by, can well, see you? No. They can just see... Just Sorry. I, yes, that's what you would think. But they do have a practical reason for these see-through walls. They want users to know that they are totally alone in the unit. Two major concerns with public, with public toilets. One, is it clean? Two, am I alone? Is there someone hiding in here? Oh, my God. <gasps> That's terrifying. So, is there someone hiding in the here? The transparent walls take care of both of those issues. You can see that the bathroom is clean or dirty, and you know that there's no one in there. You can tell that there's no one in there. Yeah, but then other people can tell you're in there. They use a smart glass technology, which turns the glass opaque when the door to the unit is locked. So basically, it means. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So when there's when the door is locked and someone's in there, you can't see in there. Oh, so it's like at my old apartment when you'd press that button to for the gym between the gym and the um like the guest. Yes, like a hall. divider. Yeah, and it would like fog up the glass. Yeah, and it like immediately fogs. Yeah, that's exactly that's what it so is. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. So okay. they'll always know when someone's in there because even if someone's in there and they don't lock the door, you can see them. There's nowhere for them to hide. The glass surrounds the entire thing. I suppose I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Yep. So when the door is locked to the unit, providing you privacy to deal with your business. Yeah. That could be a cool thing to implement everywhere. Yeah. New York needs that. Yes, it does. Throw some throw some of those up in Central Park. They just need more bathrooms in general. Oh, well, yeah. 
Yeah, that was another one you sent me. I thought it was funny. But it actually turns out that it's really cool. <laughs> the way that it works. I only I didn't read the whole thing. I thought it was literally just like people were literally peeing in yeah. front of other people on the street. And I was like <gasps> <laughs> Nope. They're uh that's that's technically public indecency. Well yeah, that's I guess what I don't know I if thought. the rules I don't I know if the like... rules if there are laws for that in Tokyo, but I or Japan, I'm sorry. But like people in Japan are so shy. I'm like, I don't think that they would there no way. Yeah. But the technology is cool with that. The fogging, that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely not as weird as I thought that story was gonna be. I get it now. I get it, I get it. Well, do you want to do the new thing? Yeah. So Emily came up with an idea. We're going to introduce a new segment. It's called Peaks and Pits. Sorry, I was like... Your pit and your peak. Tomato, tomato. Your peak, right? Your pit and your peak? Yeah. Pit first? Sorry, I want to say peak first because alphabetical, but your pit and your peak. So Emily, this past week, what's your pit? What's your peak? Um, I would say that my pit was the 150,000 mosquito bites I got on my leg my legs <laughs> while we were sitting by that campfire for like 30 minutes an I, hour maybe i've never had bug bites like this in my life she won't let me see them no they're everywhere it's bad it's gross so I'm, yeah that's pretty i'm pity. very upset about it that's pretty pity yes but my peak was making those tie-dyed sweatshirts that was a lot of fun and honestly way easier than i thought it was gonna be and I'm, more fun and I thought it was so fun to be able to do something new. Yeah. Because I feel like right now it's so hard to like go out and try something new or, right. you know, do something you've never done before. Yeah. Because nothing's open. And if it is, it's like half it's open. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. There's a new normal and it's it's, it's hard to great. adjust. It's hard to adjust. But yeah, but this I is thought tie-dyeing was so fun and I would definitely do it again. And it turned out really cute. Yeah, they turned out really well. Your whole sweatsuit and my yeah, own sweatshirt. Yeah, I did a sweatpant and a sweatshirt. Um, and they are light pink and light blue. And I wanted it to look like cotton candy. And it definitely does. And then Dylan did like a navy blue sweatshirt. Yeah, which I'm thinking about getting an iron-on patch for. That'd be cool. Of my logo. Not a, not the gray logo. I could get that one too, I guess. <laughs> um, but my other logo. Just get a ton of logos. Then I gotta make a bunch. I want them to be logos that actually that mean something that are mine and yours. Yeah, cool. Yeah, those are good. That's that, those are good. Okay, what's yours? My peak is definitely getting back into reading and like finding I a book. I literally cannot believe you're saying finding that. Finding a book right away that I enjoyed. I was a little worried because I did like the movie and I was scared because I this book came out way before the movie um, and then I saw the movie first. But I like that there are aspects from the book in the movie. But the book is pretty. The book is a like entirely different story for me, which is fun. They changed a lot of stuff for the movie, but it doesn't bother me. Anyway, that's definitely my peak. Was liking the first. I was I was scared that I wasn't gonna be into getting back into reading. So I'm happy. I'm happy about that. My pit. I guess my pit is that the stools that we're getting, our new kitchen stools, aren't gonna be here for eight weeks. So I guess that was my pit. And our old ones are very uncomfortable. And our old ones suck. So I guess that would be my pit. Okay. Yeah. That works. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, take a moment to yourself and think, what was your pit? What was your peak? And if you want to share it with us, let us know. You can DM us on Instagram. You can email us. Whatever you want. We would love to hear that stuff. Should we send them off, Emily? Yep. Into the sunset?
on a horse with no name? Why well, doesn't have a name? Just a song. Anyway, send him off. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gray. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, leave a comment leave if a comment, you like. Wherever you like, yeah. And tell a friend. Tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of word. Tell your roommate. Tell your roommate. Tell your neighbor. Tell your dog. Well, I don't really care if you tell your dog because <laughs> they can't listen anyway. Practice on te- practice telling your dog and then tell a person. <laughs> also, make sure to follow us on Instagram. At- yes. At Gray the Podcast and at me at Emily Subankson underscore and at Dylan at Dylan underscore Michael. Underscore. Un- you've got so many underscores. I know. That's it. Until next time. This podcast is Penny Approved. Ta-ta for now.